There is nothing new in the world except the history you do not know. Welcome to the Sales History Podcast. I'm your host, narrator, nerd, Todd Capone. So here's a question. Should sales education start in college? Well, that sounds like a now question. That's not very sales history, is it? Well, as it turns out, it is. Because not only did sales education start in college back in the early 20th century, it was actually in high school too. And so today I want to talk to you a little bit about the history of sales education from a high school and college perspective, why it was around in the early 1900s, why it left, and my impression of why it's back now, and is it here to stay? So here's the story. I was reading a stack of salesmanship magazines from the probably 1907. And there was an interview with one of the women pioneers in sales. Uh, We have talked about Lucinda Prince before. There's another one. Her name is Mrs. Diana Herschler. And she was running a sales program at what's called the Bigelow School, uh, which is a Boston public school. She had a quote in it that I guess I should share because I think it's kind of funny when we think about discovery and qualification questions in modern sales. She had a quote about it back then, so the early 1900s that cracked me up. She was referring to one salesperson that she was particularly impressed with. Uh, She said, she didn't ask me a whole lot of fool questions. When I want a thing... I want to be shown the thing and not be put on the witness stand first. So I've been using that witness stand analogy a few times, but it struck me like Boston public school, which is a high school was teaching sales education back in like 1907. Now, as you heard in the previous episode, we've talked about Lucinda Prince. We've talked about it in high school, but I was thinking at the time when I read this, I went to Indiana University in the 1990s and there wasn't even a sales focus class in the entire university. So high schools, I started to look harder at the early 20th century's formal sales education programs. And what I found was pretty staggering. The Ohio State University, the University of Michigan, the Wharton School, Harvard, all very proud of their sales education programs between 1900 and 1920. Universities back then, everywhere were offering these curriculum paths, and suddenly they stopped. They all disappeared. Now, where did I go on this? Well, I started doing a little research, trying to find, all right, where are they today and how long have each one of those been around? So I started digging in. There's something called the Sales Education Foundation. They've got criteria around what they count as being sales-focused curriculum. And when I looked... There was 134 universities today that fit the criteria for having sales-focused curriculum, whether it's a minor, whether it's an area of focus where you can get a certificate, whether it's actually a major. But here's the interesting thing about the pattern of those programs. The overwhelming majority of today's university programs have been launched in just the past 20 years, and the momentum with them is growing exponentially. But here's the question. Guess how many universities had sales-focused curriculum prior to 1980? When you think about the 134 today, how many started prior to 1980? The answer is one. 
The University of Nebraska at Kearney, for those inquiring minds, started in 1975. So here we go. My I can't let this go trigger went off. And I had to know, like, all right, why the focus on formal sales education in the early 1900s? Where did they go? Why did it all start to come back? And, and could it disappear again? So let's dig in. Let's talk about why the focus back then first. To start, let's talk a little bit about what the Industrial Revolution is. And it, it had three distinct faces, and this is a contributing factor to why there were so many back then. But the three phases, the first one was really beginning somewhere in the, the 1700s. And it was what they refer to as the age of mechanical production. And so when just for your own education, when you think about like where did industrial revolution come from, there had to be a trigger. Well, the trigger back then was somebody discovered that when you warm up water, it creates steam. Steam creates pressure and pressure can be harnessed into building engines and that overnight revolutionized travel in the form of trains and ships and just made travel and transportation and moving goods uh, so much more pervasive. So that was the start of it. Now, in this era, which was the late 19th and early 20th century, was the second phase of the Industrial Revolution, which was the age of science and mass production, right? So there was discoveries around the power of using gasoline, for example, the marvel of flight. There was discoveries around what chemicals could do. There was the concept of the assembly line. And as a result, you put all those things together and you've got production of stuff kicking into high gear that can also now, because of phase one, be delivered and distributed. So that was an explosion at the time. The digital revolution is the third one that I think we can argue that we're still in, but that was uh, the trigger for that was the beginning of the discovery of the semiconductors, right? And how you use them into computing and the internet. This, this period started slowly in the 1950s and it's accelerating. It continues to accelerate right now. But to the question about why in the early 20th century did we have this explosion of sales education happening in the high school and college level. That second industrial revolution, it marked the dawn of salesmanship as we know it today. I mean, that's when there's, I've got this library of books and magazines all focused. They've got, you know, there was classes, there was education all launched to usher in this era where the United States viewed the sales profession as a key element in the establishment of America as a world leader. Previous episode, I think it was episode three, I talked about the idea that, gosh, there was a sales conference and the keynote speaker was the active sitting president, which you could never imagine happening today. And then you double down on that to think, gosh, that was in the middle of World War One, and the president speaking at a sales conference it must be pretty important. But yes, sales was seen as a key driver for the advancement of America as a world power and for the economy on the whole. And so think about it, when manufacturing is going on coupled with these massive improvements in distribution of product, the demand of salespeople had to go through the roof, right? And so where are you gonna find your experienced sales reps? You're gonna look at the drummers of the 1800s 
we haven't talked about drummers yet, but they were these like what called peddlers that are essentially manufacturers reps who were known for hard drinking. They were loud, they were boisterous, and they felt like they were above everybody. And I saw some data around how much money they made. Like they, they were they were making more than politicians at the time, which were people that made a good living. Uh, they were known for their back slapping methods. They had very little loyalty, very unethical approaches. If you're a manufacturer and you need salespeople, are you really going to hire one of those? Because that's what, quote, experienced meant. So you basically had to find inexperienced people and train them. You've got this short supply of salespeople, high demand, sales at the time, a true respected profession, paid better than most other professions, jobs easy to come by. It is the perfect storm for education at the college and high school level. Now, organizations themselves, when we think about modern sales enablement, they didn't have the means, the tools, the resources or expertise to do this effectively. No one had ever done it before. So they needed external resources to help. Now that there were thought leaders, like you think about thought leaders today in sales, uh, there were a ton, there's so many books. Uh, and those thought leaders rose up through their books and magazines, but you couldn't really hire an external sales training company to come in either. Uh, they didn't really exist. There's a couple, uh, but you know, the travel made it very difficult. There were hubs of expertise. Like I'm from Chicago. That was a core city in the beginnings of sales education. There were correspondence courses. So those are the kind where you'd like fill something out, send it in and get coaching that way from books. Um, there, there's a guy named Arthur Frederick Sheldon. He had a correspondence class that taught over 10,000 students by the year 1915. So there was some of that, but the bottom line is you needed university level sales education at the time. It was a requirement. There was money to be made, there was demand, and the perception of sales as a profession was really strong at the time. Okay, so where did they all go? I mean, if not one current university program was in existence, prior to 1975. And in the majority of cases, they didn't exist prior to our 21st century, yet they were pervasive in the early 1900s. Like, what happened? Well, I believe that there is essentially three things that happened, and they could happen again, absolutely. Let's start first with, with the macroeconomic forces, right? So remember, what drove the need for these programs was the combination of this growing, more positive perception of the sales profession, the undersupply and over-demand for sales professionals, and then the sudden and accelerating need for standards and best practices, which corporations themselves struggled to come by on their own. Now, World War I, it started in 1914. Production facilities had shifted their attention on wartime manufacturing, and many workers and other companies joined the fight. As the economy's focus changed, where economic expansion slowed and selling goods became less in demand, the balance between sales supply and demand leveled off. So there's number one. The second issue that I see is what's called the gap in relevance. And I guess one could argue that I, I think some sales leaders today and leaders and organizations could probably argue that this might be the case in the current environment, but 
the gap in relevance means there's a perception that there is a gap between the rigor of university sales education and the art of the sale. Uh, there was one quote I read where school education was viewed as, quote, irrelevant but rigorous. It was steeped in theory, but the gap was in the need for innovation and creativity in selling methods based on the specific circumstances of the seller and the buyer. Education assumed conditions of certainty, which, as we all know, certainty is not a core element of the sales profession. So external education was viewed as in-the-box training, whereas companies needed sellers who could combine in-the-box with out-of-the-box. So their practices often did not equal reality, and they bring these college-educated people in, and basically they failed. The, the third issue, which was a big one, was the perception of sales and its beginnings of deteriorating once again, like it had been with drummers in the 1800s. As the economy changed, the shift in supply of salespeople exceeded the demand. All while sales got harder, the concepts of sales as an upstanding, respectable profession started to deteriorate. I mean, just picture the Great Depression of the 1930s. There was this perception that salespeople were like the difference between success and failure. And there were salespeople that were just giving up. And the ones that weren't, their organizations were unleashing these aggressive sales tactics. Like one method, I think they called it mood selling, which was you go door to door, you bring your children with you and you deliver a message of, gosh, if you don't buy, my child here doesn't eat. So as a result, salespeople became this thing that we just wanted to stay away from. And those perceptions, they remained for many years and they were reinforced by like, you know, the door-to-door aluminum siding sellers. If, go watch the movie Tin Men and you'll get an understanding of what I mean there. Even modern day car sales. And like I said, you know, the Gallup still lists sales near the bottom of their trusted professions uh, listing. So as a result, it was quite rare to find a student desiring a career in sales from, you know, the 19, late 1920s, early 1930s up until even the beginning of the 1980s. And as a result, if there's no demand for sales education in universities, there ain't going to be any. And that is my belief and understanding as to why college education sales classes disappeared. Okay, so let's finish up by talking about today's era. In the 20s, Will university sales programs grow or shrink? Well, I think we can look to the three reasons why sales education programs at the university level disappeared 90 years ago and think, all right, could those happen again in today's world? I think number one, macroeconomic forces, like we talked about. You know, if the supply of sellers begins to exceed the demand again, then, you know, the, the supply becomes willing to lower their compensation requirements to maintain employment. And as a result, the need for university level education programs will be reduced. I mean, most sellers today are taught in a modern way too. So you've got that collection, you've got sales enablement programs. And I think we're right now, we still have a high demand for salespeople and a low supply. So college education, I would think in the short term would continue to grow. Now, if a college education is meant to prepare students for the working world to help them gain employment and become an asset to the economy immediately, if there's no demand for selling jobs, then 
why would students seek this path? So my answer to this one is, yeah, absolutely, it could arise again. The counterpoint would be, though, that uh, we all sell, and similar to the concept of a liberal, liberal arts degree, I believe the degree in sales profession could be developed and viewed as an incredible foundation for really any professional role that you're looking to seek. So hopefully, if we do get to a point where there's macroeconomic uh, impacts that drive less of a demand for salespeople, that that foundation could still be a really important thing in the, the university education curriculum. Number two, the gap in relevance. Like I said, you know, you've probably heard the phrase, those who can't sell teach. Well, the, the relevance gap between teaching and selling does exist. And those who have been teaching for a long time are sometimes viewed as disconnected from the current environment, the current needs, the current approaches. Certainly with the explosion of sales technologies and the stacks growing, if you haven't been around it in a while, it's kind of hard to teach. But I believe that at the university level, it could become more likely that the case for professors, you know, some being so focused on the science that there, there could be a disconnect with the art of successful selling in specific environments. But from my research, I found that universities today have learned these lessons from the past. Northern Illinois University, you know, which is right outside of Chicago, they've got a sales lab, shadow days, an actual inside sales call center. They make investments in all the best modern sales technology. They're bringing in external speakers. They're teaching the science and the art. And as a result, they're staying incredibly up to date. Last, what about the perception of sales and its deterioration? Well, sales continues to scrape the bottom of Gallup's annual trusted professions list, right? I mean specifically car and insurance sales. I mean, there's an inherent dislike for the profession. And the lack of appetite in high schoolers seeking sales as a career as they enter college is still an issue. I mean, sales is near the top of the list in terms of being one of the most resilient professions. As the proliferation of information and everything we do buy and experience has exploded, the role of salesperson has had to evolve and the successful sellers have evolved into Sherpas to the buying journey. The successful sellers practice clinical empathy for buyers and those successful sellers seek ways to remove friction from the buying journey and embrace transparency. If that truly happens, I believe that sales will rise from the bottom. It has to. As it continues to rise regardless of the supply demand issue, if universities seek ways to truly arm students to be real world ready, why wouldn't it continue to exist, grow, and flourish? But again, supply and demand on all levels is what is going to be whether or not college education for salespeople continues to grow or it starts to go into a bit of a valley again like it did 90 years ago. So what do you think? I mean, should even more universities invest in sales education degree programs? Will it grow? Will it shrink? Would you hire a recent graduate with a sales degree over someone with real world experience? We'd love to hear your opinion on that, on the show, on what I could do to make it better. And I hope that this has been educational to you. But next time you hear somebody saying, you know what, there needs to be more sales taught in college. Now you know the true answer as to 
why it was around, why it disappeared, why it's growing now, and why it wouldn't take much for it to disappear again. So thanks again for listening.